Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, it's a joy to be here again this morning uh, to, to present our ministry to Puerto Rico. Uh, my name is Dalmas Osoro. Uh, my wife, Flo, she prefers Flo, but there's a mystery behind Flo. That is not her full name. Her full name is Florentina, but come, come for uh, and ask me later how it's spelled because it's not what you think. And so we're born, uh, we're both born and raised in Kenya. So initially we didn't just come to the States from Puerto Rico, but at some point we both uh, lived in Kenya. And so uh, if you ask me, as I said in Sunday school, that if we could have ever met in Kenya, the answer is no. There's no way my wife and I could have ever met in Kenya, and not even to talk about any type of relationship, whether friend, be it friend or anything else, because we lived different lives. She is a city girl, I'm a farm boy, uh, all the way. So there's no way this could have ever happened between, uh, you know, we could not have ever had any type of relationship uh, because of how our, different our lifestyle are. So my wife went to Puerto Rico, uh, um, so she was there before me in the Bible College. The, the, the name of the college is Calvary Baptist Bible College in, uh, in Puerto Rico. And uh, after she was done, she had graduated, that is the year I went, and probably you would hear some of it in the video again. And, um, and God showed me this beautiful girl, that, and I started pursuing her the first week that I arrived in Puerto Rico in college. Uh, I know she said no, but uh, I had to pursue later on after a year. And here we are, the story continues. And so the Lord burdened both of our hearts really in the ministry there because of how the ministry in Puerto Rico had really invested in our lives. And uh, we saw the need of wanting to invest back. And uh, there's really a great need of professors even in, to, uh, in other colleges today. Talk about you know, even in Christian schools. They're looking for, uh, for teachers who can fill the gap. So it's, this, it's the same with college, uh, Bible colleges today. So uh, the Lord really burdened our hearts to want to go there and invest because uh, the, the, the teachers who had invested in our lives had retired and had come to stateside for retirement. And so as we speak right now, there's one full-time professor and there, there's one that has retired that is helping online, but there's no students at the college because there's no teachers to teach subjects. So there's really, uh, the number is declining really uh, uh, very rapidly and there's a need for um, really other people to go back to, um, to the college and invest in young men and women. So the college offers three majors, uh, Bible, de uh, Bible degree, it does offer sign language, and um, it does offer uh, uh, education. And so my wife will be, offering her, uh, will be offering education and sign language. She's majored in, uh, in both. She just, uh, we just completed our master's degree at International Baptist College in Chandler, Arizona. And uh, I got my Master of Arts in Ministry. She got her Master's in Education. And so we'll be heading back. Now, starting sometime this month, I'll be heading back to school to pursue my Master of Education, uh, master, master of Divinity, not Education, of course, Master of Divinity degree, and so, uh, so that I can be well-equipped as uh, we venture into um, really equipping other people as we head back to Puerto Rico. So. Uh, that is a little bit about ourselves. So we do have a sign-up sheet uh, uh, at the back uh, as you enter behind the door. 
So if you want to receive emails uh, about our updates, what we're doing, uh, where we are in our deputation, uh, newsletters, you can, sign, uh, you, can, uh, you can put your email down so that you can ab be able to receive the emails. And uh, also we do have a prayer card. Uh, you can take one, probably put in your fridge so that you can remember us in prayer because that is the most important part. Uh, 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 probably brother, uh, my brother mentioned earlier about really missionaries, it's all about prayer, Pray, praying for missionaries. As much as financial support is important, there's uh, really missionaries need prayers more than anything and we would really covet your prayers as we really venture into seeing what God has for us in Puerto Rico. And so that is a little bit about ourselves and after the service probably if you have more questions about what we're doing and you'd want to know more about um, our ministry, you can ask us after the service. So that is it for introduction, uh, probably. <laughs> and uh, let me see. My wife is telling me something, and I'm missing it. And yeah, also, I'm going to play the video, sorry. The video. We are Dalmas and Flo Osoro. God has called us to be missionaries, and we are headed to Puerto Rico under International Baptist Missions, IBM. I was born and raised in a Christian home in Kenya, and I got saved when I was 12. After successfully completing high school, I was granted a free ride scholarship to attend a Kenyan university. At the same time, I was offered a scholarship to go to Bible college in Puerto Rico almost 12,000 kilometers away. That's far. Even though I was a Christian and I knew it would be best for me to go to Bible college, I really fought God's will for my life. After a conversation with my pastor, I reluctantly decided, okay, I'll go to Bible college. My plan was to be in Puerto Rico for a year and then return to Kenya. I arrived at Calvary Baptist Bible College in Puerto Rico, and within one month there, God had completely reversed my plans, changed my ambitions, and given me new dreams to serve Him with my life. After completing my bachelor's degree, my plans to do my master's in the States fell through. So I agreed to stay on and teach at Calvary for one year. And that year brought with it a special someone that God had chosen for me. The year that Flo graduated, I arrived as a student at Calvary. I too grew up in Kenya, although far from Flo. However, I was not at Calvary for the education. I came from a very humble background, and Puerto Rico was a gateway to pursue my dreams in the United States. I planned to spend only one month there before moving on. In just one week, however, the love of Christ shown through the people at Calvary won my heart, and I stayed. I spent my first summer at a Christian camp, after which I surrendered to full-time ministry and returned to Calvary with a renewed interest in my studies and in flow. 
Calvary Baptist Bible College was founded in 1996 by Pastor James Daniels as a ministry of Calvary Baptist Tabernacle. Its main purpose was and still is to reach the Caribbean by training young men and women who then go back to their islands and their countries to serve the Lord. Calvary helped me understand that I can use what I've learned to help others so they in turn can go and share with others and influence them so that the cycle may continue as more and more people learn. For over 20 years, God has allowed Calvary Baptist Bible College to influence the Caribbean islands greatly. In 2017, a direct hit from a devastating hurricane destroyed the college dorms, the offices, and the classrooms. Yet, God has miraculously provided the funds and labor to reconstruct durable dorms where we can comfortably house plenty of college students. Praise the Lord. He continues to provide for His work. However, most of the missionary teachers have left the island in recent years. Today, there is only one full-time professor at the college. Some of the retired teachers are still teaching online and as adjunct professors, but they will not be doing this for a long time. There is such a great need for more laborers to continue this work. I married Flo in 2018 after my sophomore year, and God burdened both of our hearts to serve Him in Puerto Rico through Calvary Baptist Tabernacle and Ministries, specifically at Calvary Baptist Bible College. We knew that we needed more training in order to be most effective, so we spent the last two years at International Baptist College and Seminary in Chandler, Arizona, where we both completed our master's degrees. I plan to continue pursuing my Master of Divinity degree to sharpen my skills while we minister full-time. Graduates from Calvary are currently serving in 11 of the 13 Caribbean islands in Kenya, in Zimbabwe, in the United States, in Bolivia, in Puerto Rico, and elsewhere as church planters, as pastors, as teachers, and interpreters for the deaf. Our goal is to obey the Great Commission by training more young men and women who can then reach more of the Caribbean and more of the world with the gospel. Most of our college students leave their homes and then live in Puerto Rico for the duration of their training. While at Calvary, they're involved in all aspects of ministry to help prepare them best. Not many are able to go home and visit, so Puerto Rico becomes a home for them during their four or five years of training. See, each one of our teachers invested in us so much. They gave us a place to stay during the holidays. They loved us like their own. This is the kind of Christ-like love that we would love to replicate in the mission field. The Caribbean islands are well known for their white sand beaches. But the people who inhabit these beautiful islands, like all of us, are born with dark and sinful hearts, isolated from God by the ocean of their sin. Today, false teaching is spreading like wildfires throughout the islands, and the need for sound doctrine and well-trained young men and women has never been greater. Now, 
What can you do for the souls of the islanders? Pray. Pray for the islanders to be saved and discipled. Pray for more laborers to enter the harvest. Pray for us as we raise support. And pray for more students to fill our dorms. Go. Consider going on a short-term mission trip to Puerto Rico to experience firsthand the work God is doing there. Give. Consider partnering with us by providing the resources that we need to get to the field. One of our mentors, who is now with the Lord, said in his final days, The need is great, God is good, and we must contend. Will you consider partnering with us to reach the Caribbean for Christ? That is us in a just a span of short video. And uh, uh, I hope uh, that video summarized our ministry for Rico as uh, we just pray for us because if we're in our initial stages of deputation, we just, be, uh, 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 we just be, uh, began this last Sunday was our first meeting and this is our second meeting as we go out to raise support so that we can go back to Puerto Rico. And so, before wasting much time, um, I would jump, we'll jump into our uh, message this morning. Uh, and our message is in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 14. The book of Matthew chapter 14. Just to give you the context of what is happening here in, our, uh, in the passage that we ha- is before us this morning, um, Jesus performed a lot of miracles in the New Testament, in his ministry. And uh, some of them we're familiar with, some of them we overlook, and uh, we don't pay attention. And uh, one of the miracles, at least before the passage that we're going to look at this morning, is that Jesus had just fed 5,000 men uh, without, without the number of women and children being numbered. And of course we know in today's world, and probably I'd assume it's the same with back in the days, Women and children, the number is always greater, okay? So just counting men, Jesus had just fed 5,000 men, and the number, of course, is big with just two fish and five loaves of bread. And that was just a, a very great miracle. But just after that, there's another great miracle that Jesus performs, and that is walking uh, on the sea. And so we'll just read uh, verses... 32, uh, and, uh, verse 32 and 33, and then we'll jump to a message this morning. So it reads, And when they were come into this, uh, to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do you think were in the ship? Who, who are these people that were in the ship? These are the disciples. These are the 11. So Jesus had just, fe- uh, has just finished, fi- uh, finished feeding 5,000 men, you know, performing the miracle. And then he tells the disciples, go into the boat. Go on the other side. I'm going to meet you there. These are the disciples. They know Jesus. They've had, they've had the relationship. They know who he is. But then Jesus comes walking on water. And then they're saying, this is the statement that they're saying. They came and worshipped him. And say, of a truth, thou art the son of uh, thou art the son of God. 
Is it because they doubted? Did they, did they forget about the miracle, about the feeding of the 5,000 people? What really happened? Why did they say, of oh, a truth, thou art the Son of God? Is it because they didn't know at some point they lost focus of who Jesus was? So this morning, uh, I'd like to, uh, to propose to us that it's easy for Christians to lose focus in the race. Christians can lose focus in the race. And that's what's happening in this passage here, that the disciples really lost focus on who Jesus was. Because they've already, they've had a relationship with Jesus. Jesus has called them to, to, be, his, uh, to be his disciples. They've seen what Jesus has been doing. Jesus has performed miracles. This is not the first time that Jesus is walking on water. And you know what they say? They thought it was a ghost. So, 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 so many times Jesus performed miracles, and they should know who Jesus is. They should have already known who Jesus was. He was the Son of God. But here, at this, at this moment, they're saying that of a truth, thou art the Son of God. It, so the question is, they didn't know before when he performed the miracles. Did they think it was just a magician? Who was Jesus at the time before he walked on water? Who was Jesus to them? So Christians really can lose focus. And so this passage here, beginning verse 22, uh, is going to show us that Christians can easily lose focus. The passage records some things that can make Christians lose focus of the race. The first thing we see is that when, uh, Christians can lose focus easily while in the race when they're in the middle of the storm. When they're in the middle of the storm. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've heard about people saying that, uh, you know, when you're facing the storms, uh, storms of life, you're probably out of God's will. I don't know, maybe you've heard that phrase, but sometimes it's easier to assume that when there's some, you're facing a trial or a challenge, maybe there's something that you've done that is wrong. And maybe, maybe you should not have been in that situation. Remember Job in the Bible? The book of Job, you know, the friends, they, they went and attacked him and said, uh, you, the, I mean, of all the people that we know, you are the most righteous person. For you to be able to go through this uh, just in one day to lose everything, there's just something wrong with you. So they assume technically that Job was out of God's will at some point. But that is not true because we know the conversation as we read the book of Job that it's God who sent Satan to go and attack Job. And so in this text this morning, as we look at it, were the disciples out of God's will? Uh, let's read verse 22. Uh, this is Matthew chapter, chapter 14. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into, the sh into a ship and, and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. These disciples were in God's will. It's Jesus who's telling them, go on the other side. Do you think Jesus knew that there's going to be a storm? Jesus is God. So he knew there's going to be a storm, but these disciples did it. So as they're facing this storm, uh, the, the storm in the middle of the sea, they are not out of God's will. So sometimes it's easy to assume, oh, somebody, this is just something, they should not have been there, you know. Oh, well, who told them to be there at, the, at, the, at this moment? But they were, that's where Jesus wanted them. And sometimes maybe Jesus wants you to be in a situation you are in for a specific reason, maybe for his glory. That's what happened with Job, because in the book of Job, in the opening verses, Job was a perfect man. 
There's nobody who lived like Job in his days. So him going through the trial he was going, it was not because he had done something wrong, but it was for God's glory. So uh, sometimes, uh, and sometimes people say uh, you, you're going through, uh, uh, through a trial because of a chastisement. You know, God is chastising you. That is true sometimes because that is, according to the book of Hebrews, it's very clear. Whom God loves, whom the Father loves, he does chastise. And actually, to paraphrase what the book of Hebrews is saying, chapter 12, verse 8, is if God doesn't chastise you, maybe uh, it, how does it benefit you? If you're doing something wrong and, the, and God does not chastise you, then maybe, maybe God is almost done with you because for who the Father loves is chastises so that they can come back to the family. But if you're out of God, uh, if, you, um, if the Father doesn't chastise you, then probably it's not good for you. You're not in the family. And literally that is what the book of Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about. God chastises his people. But sometimes maybe it's not for, uh, that is not the reason for the trial. So may I assure you this morning that these disciples here were in the center of God's will. Now, we all know that there's nowhere that is perfect than being in the middle of God's will. That is the perfect place to be as a Christian. The, in the middle of God's uh, in the middle, middle of God's will. Yet many times it's presumed that when you are in the center of God's will, you cannot be touched with anything life throws at you. You know, I'm in the middle of God's will, therefore there's nothing that is uh, nothing can touch me that can touch me. You know, uh, prosperity gospel sometimes. Uh, you know, you you do this, you're gonna get a lot of money. What about when you don't got, get money? Are you still doing something wrong? You know, or if you do this, you're going to get this. If you do this, maybe the, the disease is going to go, the, whatever sickness you have is going to go away. What if that is not God's will? What if it doesn't go away? Does that mean that God is done with you? So that is really a wrong presupposition when, when, people, when people assume that when you are in the center of God's will, then there's nothing that is going to touch you. Because remember, uh, remember in John 16, Actually, in John chapter 16, verse 33, it's actually the contrary. John 16, 33. And you don't have to open there. I'm just going to read the verse here. If I find it. Uh, John 16, 33, it says, These, thing, these things I have spoken to, unto you, that in me you might have peace. Now, this is the phrase I want you to catch. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is promising his disciples. He's not saying, in the world, you might have tribulation. In the world, maybe tribulation would come. No, this is a straight, pro it's almost like a promise. Jesus is saying, in the world, as long as you are in the world, ye shall face tribulation. This is the only way to escape tribulation basically is when you're out of this world. So Jesus, Jesus is, ma is making it very clear here that in the world we shall face tribulation. He's not saying when you're out of God's will you'll face tribulation. That is not, that is not what this verse is teaching. Jesus is just making it, making it clear that in the world we shall face tribulation. But be of good cheer. You know why? Because Jesus has already overcome the world. There's, 
He conquered death. There's nothing that is, uh, that is hard for Jesus. So, um, we should not assume that when we're in God's will, that there's nothing that is going to, uh, to touch us, you know, trials. Now, you'd think after experiencing, experiencing such a great miracle, these disciples of the, of the feeding of 5,000, these disciples will be in spiritual cloud nine. You know, they've just seen what Jesus has just done. But that is not the case here. Uh, when the storm came, they were really uh, terrified of the storms. And uh, not, not to make fun of them, but sometimes storms, uh, some of the storms that we face in life are terrifying. Uh, there's some things that we go through in life that are really make us think, what is really going on? But that should, make us, that should not make us lose focus on who God is. We should always remember that God is, God is on the throne. Now, I believe in this, in this text of ours that we have here uh, in, uh, in Matthew, uh, just to read very quickly uh, from verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up in, into a mountain apart to pray. And when, in the evening, uh, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But, uh, verse 27. But straight to, straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now, I don't, just to stop there, do you think Peter ever regretted putting his foot uh, on his mouth all the time? I mean, literally, he's the only one who's telling Jesus he wants to walk on water. Now, we're going to see this later, uh, uh, how probably uh, maybe other disciples could have an, uh, be of an encouragement to him. Now, verse, uh, verse 29, and he cried, and, uh, no, verse 29, and he said, come, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did, did thou doubt? I believe at this point, in the middle of the sea, these disciples have lost direction. They've lost direction of where you go, they are going. Because according to verse 20, uh, um, verse 23, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain to pray. And when in the evening was come, he was there alone. But now the ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. Well, it's another, another, this is, in the book of Mark, it says in the fourth watch. I was looking for that. In the fourth watch, that is the book of Mark that records th this same account. It happened in the book of Mark. Actually, it's four in the morning. In the fourth watch, it's four in the morning. In the evening, people have already, have already been fed. They've, Jesus has sent, sent them away. Jesus has gone to pray, but it's in the fourth watch, and these people are still trying to fight for their lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes just have to give up. 
In the four in the morning, they're still trying to find out how they can go to the other side. But the wind, wind is contrary. So they're really working hard. I mean, it's very clear that they didn't have GPS. If they did, probably they could, they could have tried. But they at this time, we should all agree the disciples didn't have GPS because GPS is really recent, right? So they were lost. Walking from all the way, probably let's assume this, you know, the wind was contrary at some point. Even if it was eight, eight at night, all the way to four in the morning, these people are lost. And they're really trying so hard, so they were lost. They didn't know which direction to, uh, to go to at this point. How many times are we so caught up with the storms of life that we even forget why we are running the Christian race? We are so caught up with what is going on. We're so caught up with uh, our own problems. We're so caught up with, uh, with the news, what is going on in the world, that we even forget who we are in Christ. We forget who we are in Christ because of everything that is going on. And that is not what we, sh that, is, that should not be the focus in our Christian life. Our Christian life, our focus should be always in, on Christ, regardless of what is going on. We should never lose focus on who we are in Christ, because Christ is always in control. God is always in control. And uh, not only did they lose direction, uh, they lost their focus on Christ. Christ is approaching. They're in the middle of the sea. Yeah, it's four in the, in the morning, but Christ is approaching. You know what they think it is? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. This, they've already lost focus on who Christ is. They didn't even picture, who, maybe, you know, so... At this whole time, they think just Christ, Jesus who performed the, fed, fed the 5,000 people, just let them go in the sea and die. So this time they're thinking they're dying. So even when they see Jesus, it's not Jesus anymore. This is a ghost. Jesus, wants, Jesus sent us here. He just wanted us to die. Probably that's what they're thinking. And when they see Jesus coming, it's a ghost. Hey, guys, it's a ghost. There's no way this is Jesus. And they lost, they lost focus. They lost focus who Jesus was. May I remind us tonight, uh, uh, this morning that the storms do bring fear. Storms of life bring fear. And fear will cause us to lose focus in our Christian race if we are not careful. If we are not careful of what is going on and who is in, con in control. If we are not careful, that fear will make us lose focus. And that should not be the case. Because these disciples... After struggling up to four in the morning, this, because they are fighting for their lives, we, can, we, can, we cannot just downplay what is going on. They've been really fighting up to four in the morning to stay alive. So we cannot just say, oh, you know, uh, maybe they should just have prayed. And, uh, no, I, when in the middle of the storm, everybody goes through a diff different type of, uh, of trials. So when they, when they were in the middle of the storm, they, really, they were really afraid. And, but that fear sometimes does make us lose focus. But we should not focus on the fear. We should focus on who God is and our identity in Christ. That is, that's where our focus should be. So we see that Christians can easily lose focus when in the middle of the storm. Christians can easily lose focus when in the middle of the storm. The second point I want us to see this morning is Christians can lose focus when the brethren stay on the boat. When the brethren stay on the boat. Okay, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that is a really important point for us to know, to realize. 
that Peter is the only one who got out of the boat. Even though Peter always put his foot on his mouth, he's the only one who said, bid me to come. Do you think the other people on the boat said, uh, were saying, yeah, Peter, just, you know, you, you got this. Remember, they thought it was a ghost. There's no way they're telling Peter he got this. He's like, you asked for it, Peter. I mean, there's no way these people are be, they're backing up Peter. And sometimes that is what happens. People stay behind. And you feel like you are just in this Christian race to, by yourself. Sometimes Christians, people let us down. And you wonder what is really going on. I mean, I thought we're in this race together. I mean, why did somebody just, why did you stay behind? This is, they were all disciples. But Peter is the only one who's saying, bid me to come. And I'm pretty sure if it was me, and I'm with Peter, I will not have gotten out of the boat. Because I'm like, we've already agreed it was a ghost. And Peter, probably ghosts do talk. But Peter, if you had the word come, you go. Because, yeah, it's safe here. And that's what the, uh, that is what sometimes makes us lose focus when others stay behind. Now, I, uh, so do you think Peter was expect, expecting uh, the answer when he's asking here, you know, verse 28, verse 28 says, Peter, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come on the water, unto thee on the water. Do you think Peter was expecting the word come? You know, just that word, you know, hey, come, come to me, Peter. Do you think that's what Peter was expecting? Probably was, it wasn't. It was, it was just... Uh, Maybe because it's already a ghost, probably ghosts are going to scare us, you know. But that, that is not what Peter was expecting. He was not, he was not expecting Jesus to tell him, uh, come. And so, and as a teacher, I, realize, I, realize, I do realize that my students have a spokesman. What do I mean? Sometimes when students want races, they always have somebody who is always close to you. It's like, go and ask for races, you know. And so, or go and ask for, for something. But... That is not what is happening here. The disciples, when Peter was saying, bid me to come, the other disciples were not, were not telling Peter, hey, ask, and if Jesus say come, we can come with you. You know, sometimes that is, you know, it's easier for people to have spokes, spokes, uh, uh, spokesman, you know, they didn't probably, hey, they didn't say, uh, Peter just asked for us. That is not what happened. Peter was here on this battle by himself. When he was walking on water, he was by himself. Now, how many times do we applaud Peter for being such an example, but we, can't, we cannot even put ourselves in his shoes? I don't think I would have gotten out of the boat, and I've already said that. And I, maybe, I don't know, how many of you would have gotten out of the boat? Probably uh, the answer is unanimous. <laughs> we would take a boat. Uh, but uh, most of us would not have gotten out of the boat. Now, um, I wonder what was going on in his mind. When, do you think... Have you ever thought what was going on, on, on Peter's mind when he, was walk, when he was walking on water? Be like, guys, I mean, come on, this is Jesus, right? We're, we're in this together, let's go. And do you think, that what, what, now, let's ask the, the, other, the other question. What do you think was going in the minds of the other 11? Jesus is walking on water because it's very clear because, uh, what is uh, in, verse, in verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, 
He walked. Peter did walk on water, if you're, if you're doubting. He did not stand, he did not just, and we're going to see this actually very clearly, uh, that Peter walked. I don't know how great a distance it was, but it was, it was a very great distance that Peter was not even close to the boat anymore. Because if he was close to the boat, he would have grabbed the boat. He would not have asked, save, save me. So Peter was really close, actually, just a spoiler alert, Jesus was so close to Jesus than he was to the boat. That is because Jesus said, uh, Peter said, save me, and what did Jesus do? Just an arm's arm away. He was just so close to Jesus than to the boat. I don't know how far it was, because I'm pretty sure if Jesus was standing right there, they could have seen Jesus and not the ghost. But probably... I don't know how dark it was, but Jesus, did, Jesus was at a far distance from the boat. However they saw it was a ghost, I don't know, but Peter walked on water to go to Jesus, and he was so close to Jesus than to the boat. So this was a great distance, but these other people were not behind Peter. There's nobody else that was, you know, John, the beloved of, uh, the beloved of Jesus Christ. Well, he was not out of the boat. It was only Peter. You know, maybe these disciples were saying, you asked for it, Peter. Have you, left, have you felt like this before? When you're just, doing, you're just standing, uh, trying to do the right thing, you're standing for the truth, and other people are not supporting your, what, what you stand for in your Christian beliefs. You, 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 uh, you're, just try, you're doing the right thing. You know what, that's what God wants you to do. And you just feel like everybody else is not behind you. Have you felt like that before? Because, because sometimes it does happen. When you're always, because even if it's not other people, the devil, remember, is not for you. The devil, like a rolling lion, is just seeking whom to devour all the time. And sometimes the devil will use even the brethren in the church. You use people outside. You can use anybody. He used Job's friend. People were close. If anything, he used Job's wife. The devil used Job's wife. Told, you know, Job's wife told Job, hey, just curse God. This, everything will disappear. You know, everything will be fine. I mean, what, how, good, how good is your God at this moment? So the devil can use anybody. And uh, we, uh, we need to be careful, and especially as in the other group, when we are not going through the trial. So what role? Actually, instead of complaining about the storms of life, we should be thankful for them because that is when, that's where we meet Jesus most of the time. Sometimes there is peace in the storms than inside the boat. Sometimes there is peace in the storms or trials in life than inside the boat. Remember the three Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What? They, were, they were forced to worship Nebuchadnezzar. However, I don't know how, maybe they were pushed. I mean, these people, they, they've been tied. Their hands have been tied, and they are being forced to worship Nebuchadnezzar. And when they were thrown in the fire, what happened to them in the fire? They were, they were, their clothes didn't have a smell of fire. They were not touched. The chains were broken. Outside here, they, they still had chains on. 
In, in, inside the fire, the chains were broken. And there was something else. There was Jesus inside the fire. Sometimes that's where we meet Jesus. Sometimes we don't know why God brings trials in our life. But maybe it's through them that there is peace and that's where we see Jesus. Because Peter finally, when he said, Lord, save me, and he saw that hand, Jesus stretching his hand and he saved him, that's where he met Jesus. We don't know what the other disciples were thinking. What do you think? What do you think was going on in the other disciples' mind when they heard Peter say, Lord, save me? They were like, what? He started sinking already? <laughs> they were like, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you should not have done that. You know, that is, pro that is I mean, I, if I'm, the, I'm in the boat and I hear Peter crying, Lord, save me, I'm like, oh, at some point it had to happen, right? He had to start sinking. So, duh, it's happening. So, I mean, but they were not encouraging. But Peter saw God's hand in the middle of, in the, middle of the, the storm that, he, that was going around. He, he felt Jesus. There's nobody who would have, who, in the whole, in the, among us, the disciples, Jesus, the, Peter is the only one who experienced that salvation in the middle of that storm that they were going through. Now, what role do you, do you play when others are, fo are, are facing storms? What, what, what role should we play when others are facing storms? I believe we need people like Barnabas in Scripture, uh, people who will lift our, our spirits and will be willing to help us reach somewhere in our Christian race. We, uh, remember, we are in this race together. Nobody is, nobody is competing. In the Christian life, there is nobody competing with somebody else. There's nobody better than somebody else. It's, there shouldn't be like, I'm living my Christian life better than you are. Then what? What can I do that you can live your Christian life better than I think you are? Because there are people like Epaphroditus, like we saw in Sunday school, who are willing to make sure that you, your Christian life is way better than, the, than theirs. And that is because it's not a competition. In this Christian life, there's no competition. It's all about cheering one with each other up. Because at the end of the day, we all have one thing in common. We're all saved by grace. It's only Jesus, it's in, it's only Jesus that makes the difference in our lives. And so, therefore, we should, we should strive to help one another as we lift each other up. So when we see someone going through a storm or a trial, it's our responsibility to cheer their spirit up and help them uh, be better in their Christian race or be somewhere in their Christian race. Um, can you remember a time when probably you were going through a trial, may it fi be financially or a physical infirmity or even a loss of a loved one, and someone was there to encourage you and pray for you, and you were like, man, I'm not in this alone. Maybe somebody wrote, uh, wrote, wrote a note of encouragement to you, Maybe someone was right there, and they didn't have to. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going through a trial. Somebody has to be here. No, sometimes people are, are not there. But when they show up, isn't, isn't it an encouragement thing? Uh, some, or at least it encourages us to know, wow, somebody took a time off from work and is here. Somebody, try, somebody offered a meal. So, you know, sometimes we go through a trial and like, man, somebody should have made me a meal today, you know. Uh, maybe something, somebody should do something for me. 
But when they do that, we should not take them for granted because somebody, somebody was there, and that's what matters a lot uh, when we're going through a trial. So we see that Christians can lose focus when in the ra uh, while running the ra while, when in the race, when they're in the middle of the storm, and also when the brethren stay on the boat. And lastly here, we're going to see that Christians can lose focus in the race when we get our eyes of Jesus. Now let's go back to Peter. <laughs> okay, you know, we, Peter was thinking probably we're not going to touch him if he's listening to this sermon. <laughs> Peter got his eyes of Jesus at some point, because he did walk on water. Uh, so, uh, and that is from verse, uh, let's see verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, we don't know how many steps Peter made after stepping out of the boat, but the fact is, he was not close to the boat anymore. According to this verse, these verses, it's evident that Peter was not close to the boat. He was probably closer to Jesus than the boat, and that is evident from, uh, from just looking at the verses and reading. Uh, we can see that Peter was closer to Jesus than the boat. Um, and at some, point, at some point in his walk, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. What happened? Verse 30. He saw the wind boisterous. Peter saw the wind boisterous, and he was afraid. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen wind? We see the effects of wind. I didn't think so. We've, we see the effects of wind, but we, we haven't seen wind. So another question is, when Peter, when Peter took the first step from the boat, did the storm cease? Do you think the storm ceased? The storm didn't cease, because we're going to see, we, we're going to see that later on. As, Peter was making all these other steps, walking on water. The storm was still there. Do you think where Jesus was standing, it was kind of calm than any other part of the sea? They were, in this, they were in this storm where Jesus was, where the storm was. Is whatever, whatever storm Peter was looking at is the same storm that Jesus was standing on. Because when, he, when, when Peter looked and saw the wind boisterous, he was so close to Jesus. So Jesus was still, in the, the storm was still raging, and Jesus was there. So the storm never stopped. And we're going to see uh, this in verse, in verse 32. It says, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. It's the same, it, it was the same wind. The only difference is Jesus was there. But Peter didn't realize that there was someone there. Jesus was still, was still there. At some point, Peter forgot who told him to come. Peter forgot that it was Jesus who had told him to come. All these steps that Peter had made, he forgot. He forgot all he saw was the, was the, was the boisterous wind. Now all of a sudden, the boisterous wind has become bigger or greater than Jesus. That is what happened. Jesus, who was so great, who told who who, who told Peter to come from the boat? Who, was, who Peter saw? If this is Jesus and Jesus tells me to come, I can go to him because Jesus is greater. All of a sudden, that Jesus who was so great, who told Peter, come, has become so small, and the boisterous wind, you don't understand. Probably in Peter's mind, you don't understand. 
this wind here is going to swallow me. You know, it's the boisterous wind became bigger. And that is when we don't, there's no difference between Peter and sometimes when we go through trials of life. Sometimes we, what we go through, through life becomes so bigger than the Jesus we serve. And when we get our eyes of Jesus, uh, of, um, when we get our eyes of Jesus, that's where the problem begins. That's when we began to, we began to sink. Because remember, Job in the scripture. The first two chapters, Job defeated Satan. The first two chapters of the book of Job, Job defeated Satan. And Satan, there's no way, there's, because God, had to, God told Satan, go and test him. Took the family away. Then later on, it's like, oh, well, you still have his, you gave him good health. Then God said, go and take his, his health away, but don't touch his soul. Took his health away. Didn't curse God. Cursed God. Job defeated Satan, but the rest of the chap most of the chapters, what, what is Job doing? He's complaining. He's having a fight with God because he thinks it's not fair. And sometimes we lose the focus because we're like, you know, we think it's, it's all about us. But sometimes it's not about us. Because Job, in, in, the, in, in the last chapter of, uh, of the book, when God asked Job, a thousand questions. It's like, where were you when I was laying the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I was doing this? Then Job is like, oh, wait a minute. It's not about me. This, is, this was all about God. And then it says that Job said, I had heard about you. This is Job saying, Job who was a perfect man. Job saying, I had heard about you, God. But now, because of the trial I'm going through, I have seen you. Through the trial that Job was going through, it was then that he saw God. He had had all this time that we see that Job was perfect. The scripture said that Job said, he had, I had heard about you, God, but now I have seen, I've seen you. You know, um, so I believe Peter forgot why he was walking on the water in the first place. So have you ever, um, have you ever driven around and seen structures that used to be church buildings but now they are turned into businesses or bars or something else. And you've asked a question, what really happened? What really happened to these great churches? They took their eyes of Jesus. And to be politically correct, you can say that Jesus was done with those churches. I can guarantee us this morning, no one is immune of failure tomorrow when they take their eyes off Jesus. Calvary Baptist Church here is not immune to closure tomorrow if the church takes their eyes off Jesus. Nobody is immune. Nobody is immune. I'm, I'm not immune, no, you're not immune, and the church is people. We cannot take our eyes off Jesus. Nobody is guaranteed. When we take our eyes off Jesus and the focus becomes something else, we're not guaranteed that we're going to make it Tomorrow, we're going to be, uh, to be a church. We're going to be, I'm going to be a strong Christian. You know, Peter's, Peter at some point thought, when he gets his eyes off Jesus, I don't know how many, do you think after the wind became boisterous and he got his eyes off, off Jesus, do you think he tried, to, he tried maybe to walk on water to go to Jesus? Probably tried, but he couldn't because it was, the first step he was making to go to Jesus was by faith. 
and that is should be always the step that up to the point he, he reached Jesus should have always through, been through faith and not through his mind. Uh, but sometimes we think, oh wait, we can do this by ourselves, but we can't. Because at the end of the day, it's, uh, we start our faith in, in Christ and we, there's nothing else that can, can add or sub, subtract from that. It's always through faith, uh, according to Ephesians 2.8. So uh, we see that Peter experienced a, a physical salvation in verse 31, and immediately, uh, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. I believe Peter was closer to Jesus, and we've already seen this than he thought. But I, I dare say this, this uh, I, I, I dare say these three words that Peter used here uh, still work today. What did Peter say? Lord, save me. These three words are still the same words that still work today. Remember the thief on the cross? What did he say? The thief on the cross said, Remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. What did the publican say? Be merciful to me, a sinner. What did I say when I, what, what did I say when I, when I got saved? Lord, I'm a sinner. And there's nothing I can do to get saved but through faith through what you did on the cross. What did you do to get saved? You trusted on Christ because you, you, you realize there's nothing you can do to get to, uh, to get to heaven. It does not matter the amount of words, but it's all about, Lord, save me. It's all about what God does for you. It's not about what I can do for me. We're not here because what you did. It's, we are here because what Christ did for me. You are here because of what Christ did in your life. So this word still works today. Peter experienced a, a physical salvation from the water, but still, spiritually, these three words are the only words that matter today. The world needs Jesus. We, need, uh, we, accept, we accept Jesus through faith, and that's by only declaring that we need him in our lives to save us spiritually, uh, and so is everybody else. There's, um, there's no way we get saved, because according to John 14, uh, Verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's all, it has always been through, uh, through faith. It's th from Abraham, it has been through faith up to today. It has never changed. Abra Abraham, was, uh, Abraham was saved by faith, and nobody is saved by uh, anything else but by faith. Um, now, a question is, do you realize uh, the wind was... Uh, do you realize the boisterous wind didn't stop until Jesus and Peter came to the ship, according to verse 33? Someone said, when the storm is over your head, it's still under his feet. I'm going to repeat this. Brother, get a big amen. Someone simply said, when the storm is over your head, it's still under his feet. The storm was over Peter's head. When Peter looked at the storm, it was all over his head, like he was sinking. But Jesus was standing on that same storm. As Peter was sinking, Jesus was still there. And the feet, Jesus' feet didn't start sinking. He was still standing there. Your problems are nothing. Um, your problems are nothing impossible that God cannot fix. Whatever we go through life, your problems are nothing to God. 
Do you think Peter at some point let uh, Jesus' hand when he was going to the boat? You know, when Peter was holding Jesus' hand, do you think he let his hand go? Now they're coming to the... Now the other better question should be, do you think Jesus let Peter's hand when they were going to the boat? No. Because, Peter, because Jesus is always there. We are the one who always let go the hand of Jesus. We're the, one, we're the ones who are always struggling. We're the ones who lose focus. Jesus has not lost focus because the same storm is the, the same storm that Peter was experiencing is the same storm that Jesus was standing on. Jesus, Jesus never lets go of us, but sometimes we take our eyes off Jesus. Hebrews, uh, just to close just, uh, this verse here in Hebrews 12, 2, verse 3, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied, wearied and faint in your minds. Christian can easily lose focus in the race, when, the, when in the middle of the storm, when the brethren stay behind, and when we get our eyes off Jesus. Where are you this morning? Are you in the middle of the storm? Or are you out of the storm? Or maybe you're going to head into one storm because the disciples didn't know they were heading into a storm. Nobody knows. Somebody once said, it's either, it's either you've been in the middle of the storm, you are in a, uh, you've been in a storm, through a storm, or you are heading into one. So as, as we wait whatever, or as, as, as we wait for Jesus to come, we don't know uh, what we're going to face through life, but we should not lose our focus of the race. We should always keep our eyes and our focus on Jesus.